wasn't out there. Keys um, just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. Yup, we're back. Episode 34, just dishing it. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, as always, joined by my compadres here, Mr. John Tudes, Tudor, fresh off his Burners debut, Derek Hoskin, the producer in the building. Gentlemen, what's going on? How's the week going? I'm trying to recoup from the, uh, as you probably can hear in my voice from uh, that terrible bills loss but uh made the that's trip a good down. loss it's gonna be good for him yeah made the trip down to nashville yeah that's a character that's a character building yeah but um yeah we're real... celebrating moral victories in buffalo now Is all right girl, I'll get off your high horse oh, my God. don't even start God. we'll get to you later yeah uh yeah no it was a good time <laughs> went down for a buddy's bachelor party we had a blast and bills mafia showed up so oh i didn't know that i thought you were just going down for the game no it was my buddy's bachelor party yeah, yeah. good yeah. stuff good stuff good time so love it tutor how you feeling buddy did you, have, did you get a good stretch in the groin's a little tight for you oh my god dude i thought i was gonna like die out there i was sucking oxygen after the first period first game back in a long time <laughs> but uh you look you great know, out we, there. we made it so uh you know play play a little defense got a got away with a uh, pretty blatant trip in the corner um you know, didn't get called though. I kind of wanted to get the pims to at least get on the score sheet, but you know, maybe <laughs> next game. Tudor, you're getting on the score sheet in the meme category. Honestly, you've been yeah. Oh, yeah. On, on 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 your meme grind for the, the Sabers lately. Keep them coming. I know. Seriously, I think I'm gonna have to add uh, the charging Buffalo meme god into my uh, Instagram bio. <laughs> get a couple more. Jared will just be sending you an offer sheet for sure. Right. Oh man. Well, gentlemen, I think we should jump right into it. I am so excited for this guest. It's been a long time I've been waiting to try to get him on. Uh, everybody, please welcome from The Athletic, Mr. Sean Shapiro. Hey, guys. Sean, thanks for joining us, man. Such a hey, pleasure guys, to have you. Doing? Great, Buffalo's, great. Buffalo's 3-0. and The Sabres are 3-0. and so The Sabres are 3-0, Sean. Like, so yeah. that's good, right? When I was in... I got to tell you, when I was envisioning, you know, talking to you, trying to get you on here, and we were going to be talking, I knew it was probably going to be during hockey season. I did not think we would be looking at an undefeated Sabres team at any point. I don't think, I don't think anyone ever thought yeah. that. So, guys, uh, don't look now. Zemgis Gergensens is on a 109 point pace right now. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> oh my God. The, the preseason stat. Things are always fun, but I, one of the yeah. I was I was driving home from the Detroit Columbus game the other day, and uh, I had the sports talk radio on in Detroit, and people were calling in after the, the Detroit win. And my favorite thing I've heard so far was someone went off and said, "He's like, well, I know he's not as good as these guys, but Tyler Bertuzzi is outscoring Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby right now." And this was the this was the point someone was making. Where was, and, and the fact is, McKinnon was literally playing his first game like. 20 minutes later because he missed the first four games of COVID. But that was the point of Tyler Bertuzzi is outscoring Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby right now. So so take, yeah. take your early season stats. And it's like I went to a Mac school. It's how we you play an SEC school and it's three nothing in the first period. And you take a screen grab of it and then you turn the TV off. So you don't for uh, so you don't see the end of it. So 
That sounds like me when I gamble on college football. I just right in the first quarter, my spread looks good, and I just turn it off yeah. and just cross my fingers. That's amazing. What Mac school did you go to? I went to Bowling Green. So oh, that's awesome. The, nice. The, covered hockey and football there and everything like that. So it was a good, small, small but growing media contingent of uh, in the hockey world there. We got uh, Everett Fitzhugh, the Kraken play-by-play guy, went there. Him and I were there at the same time. So Oh, that's uh, awesome. Hockey school that kind of got forgotten for a little bit, but getting better. Yeah, for sure. Is that where the the love of the journalism started, or was it much younger for you that you really? Uh, like, tell us much, a little about. Yeah, much younger. I mean, it was kind of. I knew that's. I went to when I went to I went to BG and I got a journalism degree. But one of the things for me was it goes back to to like I was in. I was like every other kid who was like. I played hockey, I played soccer, and I, when I was like five years, when I was in fifth grade, and I was still, I said, oh, I was going to play in the NHL, and I would play for, somehow also play for the U.S. men's national soccer team at the same time. I was, yeah. was like any kid who played sports who was like, until I, once I realized that I was not going, that was not going to happen, uh, <laughs> the becoming a sports journalism, being a sports writer kind of became the other, the next thing. And uh, I think it's funny, like it goes back to the first article ever, quote unquote, had published was you go back to my middle school had like a newspaper. And this was when I was still living. I was growing up in New Jersey and it was new. And by newspaper, I mean, it's eight and a half by 11 printer paper where the teacher stapled together probably like 16 sheets of paper. And they let, <laughs> and, they, and they let me write uh NHL previews and, and, and stuff like that. And I have it somewhere and it's, and it's really poorly written. And it's like one, one sentence paragraphs about how the, about and it's about how this team is going to win or whatever. And I think it was 2003, I think. And it was the year that, and since I was in, Hey, I grew up in Jersey. So I grew up as a big devils fan in North Jersey. And that was the time where they won a cup that year. And so it was kind of yeah. that, I, I think one of the, wasn't the first one, but one of the first things in debt like was a preview of the 2003 Stanley cup final where I'm like, Oh, and I went through and using my sixth, seventh, eighth grade brain, whatever it was to pick who was going to win. And I picked the devil's word in seven and they won in seven. And I was super proud of that. So <laughs> uh, it's, uh, but it's, it's kind of a career path that kind of, I guess, started there but then at, at bowling green was where it really kind of solidified itself like i knew that's what i wanted to study but mm-hmm. it's but it was at there where covering college hockey covering college football doing stuff at the student newspaper there was really kind of the um uh the proof i guess the proof of life where hey this is something i actually want to do because obviously if that's something uh you start doing it and you don't like it we would have gone somewhere else no idea where else it would have gone but <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it worked out well enough so it's uh it, it did yeah was it did you know like just it was sports like it was going to be sports did you ever entertain like just other types of journalism um i i have a minor and i minored in political science because i always thought that i'm not a big politics guy as in um, as in I've, I've CNN on all, I'm, I'm not that type of person who, who dives deep into that, but I always thought that the closest thing that, uh, after sports, I thought the thing that, that you could kind of cover in a similar way was politics. Cause I thought there was an example that, um, I can't remember who told me in the first place this, but there was someone who pointed out like you could cover a political race, like a boxing match. 
because if you think about it, where it's like it's it's like a boxing match, right? There's one fight at the end, but how do you cover the six month build up to that? You cover the the storylines, you cover how the training is, you cover what the strategy might be, and you talk and talk and talk about it, and then there's finally one day. And so, someone once gave that example to me about politics, and I always thought the like, okay, if I didn't ever cover. Um, sports covering just maybe election races would be interesting just from that level because it's like that where it's it's adversarial there's two opponents you can look at it from it's a build-up to one fight night for lack of a better yeah. word yeah. so so that would have that that's kind of the other thing that would have been would have gone there I, I did a little bit of i've done just i did some other i've done some other community local journalism stuff like that in my career as well which i don't mind but it's always been kind of to me it's always been always wanted to kind of be on the sports side and then for me the biggest thing about of it no matter what i was covering i was always a big fan of the story side of it of finding kind of like these things where i love the fact that my job consists so much of doing something kind of new each day like and obviously it's whether it's, it's maybe it's covering the same sport or covering the same element or same beat or whatever but kind of i love the element of there's always kind of a new story to tell and kind of finding some of that other stuff that just kind of that interesting stuff that connects us to it it's why we care about sports in the first place i think so yeah that's super interesting right I, the, the parallels like like the theater of sport if you will like just having mm -hmm. that kind of back back pocket backup plan sort of thing um you know covering elections or whatever that that yeah. that analogy is really interesting i wish you remember who told you that with the boxing yeah. match that makes so much sense now that you laid that out yeah i, I want to give credit to i i may be giving the wrong person credit i mean one of the person i'm thinking i'm pretty sure told me was a guy by the name of john lowe john was the uh the uh, he covered the detroit tigers for the free press for like 27 28 years before he retired and he was someone who Early in my career, when I was at Bowling Green, he was a guy who was kind of a big mentor to me because he covered baseball, but he was a big hockey fan. He covered the Kings 30, 35 years ago before he before he covered the Tigers. I can't do the math on it, but so he would often uh, he, he and I would often have chats at Bowling Green where he would come down. We'd go to like this Chinese buffet restaurant and get Chinese food before the game and just talk about kind of the craft and the field. And then I'd go over and cover the college hockey game. And so he, I, I'm pretty sure it was him, but I'm also not 100% sure it was him. So I'm going to give John credit. But if it's not him, I apologize to whomever I'm forgetting right now. So, <laughs> Tudor, jump in. Yeah, you've, uh, Sean, you've mentioned Bowling Green um, a bunch and going going there how'd you get from north jersey to bowling green <laughs> well i uh so I, I live actually i live back in michigan now but i was a kind of the when i was 15 and my family moved to michigan and so i was kind of already moved indoctrinated to the midwest slightly as like a 15 year old and then it kind of became the level of when i was uh, looking for schools and everything in college it became i was looking for basically something a place that had a journalism program had a daily student newspaper which was big to me just because i wanted somewhere where i'd be able to actually get like experience that was was daily and and also the third one which is a which is perfect fitting i wanted to go to a place that had an ice rink on campus that was that was the, <laughs> that was the third one because by having a rink on campus that meant a there'd be a division one team and b 
they had a beer league. So that's kind of, <laughs> and so that yeah. was, uh, and so for me, that was the, uh, that's how I ended up at Bowling Green, where as someone who just, I kind of moved to the Midwest when I, a couple of years before I was looking at colleges and it just checked all the boxes and it just turned out to be that fit. So. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And then uh, with things like the daily paper, everything yeah. like that, was it more of a, like, did you have to apply for those positions to be able to cover hockey, to be able to write for that paper? I mean, Bowling Green's a pretty big school, right? Is there a lot of competition there? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where they don't really turn, you didn't really turn anyone away. Like if you had, oh. it was a, it was a student paper where people came and they wanted to do things. You didn't really turn anyone away, but those, the hierarchy of uh, the hierarchy of the beats kind of in the hierarchy of what you got to cover based off seniority, based off experience. Um, like I, the first, my freshman year of college, I covered college volleyball and it was the first kind of beat experience for me. And basically it was college volleyball was the sport you gave to the freshmen who you don't know if they're ever going to show up again. And it's not, it's not, and I feel like no one's ever covered college volleyball at Bowling Green ever better ever since. And, and so I went, I, I covered college volleyball there and um, I basically used that opportunity to kind of just springboard to other things. Um, I started being able to do a little bit more stuff with the hockey, with, with hockey and everything like that. And then eventually um, I just kind of, through the nature of my work and, and everything like that, I eventually ended up being in that spot. Like I was the sports editor by my junior year. I was doing uh, some other, I was on editorial boards and stuff like that. My, and so eventually I was in a spot where I was making those decisions of what people got to cover as well. But so it wasn't as much of an application process. The big deal was more so of, we didn't turn people away, but you kind of earned bigger and bigger opportunity at the, at the, at the BG news as you went through. And there was like, it was very, very limited. It was like, I think my senior year, it might've been like 70 bucks every two weeks. There was like a, such a small pool of like where we could pay like 12 people or something like that. And so it was, <laughs> and so there was, that was the other thing you worked your way into of like, it was, it was this tiny carrot where they, you, you had no idea how little the payment was when they first bring it up to you. They're like, Oh, well we have opportunities where you could be a paid journalist and work here. And, and then my, my senior year, I'm getting like 70 bucks every other week for, for this. And you're like, oh, well, this is, I'm putting, this is, this is, okay. Technically it's getting a paycheck, but that it was, wasn't really. So it was, uh, that, that's kind of how the format worked of it. And it was, it was great for me. I mean, like I love my time at Bowling Green, but to me, one of the biggest reasons that I ended up where I did really was that was the paper itself was the BG news and that daily experience. And you get to make mis I got to make mistakes. I got to have success, things like that in a lower pressure environment, right. To, to put that in the right way. And like, I think I yeah. saw, like I saw the other day, like the thing where it was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the other day with the thing with Oklahoma, where the Oklahoma student paper guys uncovered who was going to be the starting quarterback just by watching practice when none of the other local media had seen it or whatever. And then the Oklahoma wow. PR people got pissed them and everything like that. I, I love seeing stuff like that because that was the things that I, you'd love to do as like a student reporter. And just, you can, you can go and do stuff like that. And at the same time, you also have the ability to make mistakes and learn from them. So what yeah. were, was there like a mistake that you'd share that kind of <laughs> stuck out to you? Like something, <laughs> something in college that you look back at now and you're uh, like, man, I can't believe it. I mean, well, some, I mean, you, I look back at 
one thing you look back in the quality of writing and there's times where I look at it and I'm like, holy cow, like this is, <laughs> how did anyone give this guy a job? I, I, look at the, <laughs> I go back and look at the quality of the writing, but uh, it's like a lot of our early podcast episodes before we were releasing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never, never. It's, it's, it's just like, uh, it's, it's just like, uh, so I play, I play goalie. I still play, I'm a goalie and I still play goalie in beer league. And I always sometimes laugh when I will see the guys who, play beer league and put like the camera behind the net now. Oh. And, and I see that. And I just, I, I always laugh. I'm like, I do not want to know how slow I look. I watched an NHL <laughs> game last night. I do not want to know how slow I look. So it's like that. It's like looking back, yeah. looking back at, at old copies, sometimes like that. But um, I had, there was, there's a couple, there's a couple things where you, not as much mistakes, but you learn on like handling human relationships on things like I Dave Clawson was the football coach at Bowling Green and he I think he's still the coach at Wake Forest I'm not sure if he still is or not but I know he went to Wake Forest afterwards but he we had a situation where we had a story that we ran that he did not like and it was uh I literally got a call I'm either 20 i'm at like i'm like 19 or 20 years old i'm a junior or sophomore i get a call from the football coach at a division one university <laughs> yelling at me on the phone and basically telling me that um i want you to apologize at my press conference tomorrow and it's <laughs> and the and it's moments like that where you're like what do you and and to give Dave to give Dave Clausen credit? The next morning, he and I had a chat and hashed everything out. It was okay, but in in that you're getting that call of like, what the hell am I supposed to do in 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 in, 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 in this moment? And, and there's things like that where it's like, uh, there's 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 experiences like that where it's like you learn how to deal with the conflict that inevitably comes up within this job. Um, just like, uh, and, and the fact that, uh, like this moral of the story is anyone who wants to get into this field, you need to find as much experience as possible because you're going to run into, you eventually will run into conflict. You eventually will run into the fact that people actually read what you write, which is one of the, still one of the wildest things to me. Sometimes it's kind of the weird thing where it'll be like, I'll meet someone who I've never met before and they'll bring something. It was like, Oh, I read this or Hey, I've read your work. It's still yeah. sometimes still weird. It's still weird. Sometimes it's just that feeling never goes away, but it's, um, it's not, it's not, it, conflict is rare when it comes out of it, but when it does, it's, I learned a lot about how to deal with that from instances like that of a division one football coach, basically. And I'm, I'm completely dumbfounded on the phone. I'm, I don't even know if what I said back to him. I'm just listening. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I, and of course, in my head, I'm like, I, I clearly must have done something wrong. This is, I, 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 we didn't do anything wrong. And that was the thing where it was a situation where it was a coach not happy that something was being covered in a certain way by the school paper, and um, and eventually we worked it out. But it was it was one of those where, like, in the moment, in that phone call, you're like. Uh, what am I going to do? I've never dealt with anything like this before. Uh, it's, it's, it's still, it's, it's wild because, and you know what, that one phone call is probably the reason whenever I do get an angry phone call about something else, now I'm better for it. So I guess in the end, it was, yeah. it was a good, it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. It doesn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. I could have swore you were going to start that story with, I got the, I got the call and it said, Oh, this is a Bowling Green head coach. Like, <laughs> okay, click. And just hang up on him or something. <laughs> Sean, while, while we're uh, 
while we're kind of talking about like the conflict there, kind of just a different situation that came up like this week with Adam Schefter, like, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with those stories and kind of what was the, the idea was he was running stories by the coach to kind of let them maybe see like what's in it before it gets out, possibly hold stuff back. Like what's the line there as a journalist when it comes to reporting something or managing relationships? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a certain so a I have never sent a full story to someone like so the the whole example of Adam Schefter sending the full story to someone to say, hey, in the I I think the the one comment everyone grabs is the Mr. Editor part of that. I think think that actually I think that part actually out of proportion sometimes because I think we don't know what that we don't know what Schefter's relationship was like. With them, we don't know the context of it really right so we, we don't, don't that, that. Part, yeah that part to me i think is but the fact that he sent a full story um to me that's that's the issue and i've yeah. never i've never i've never sent a full story to someone i will say that it, it it happens you do fact check like journalists do fact check things you do run things by people um especially um especially when you're when you're writing about something that's complicated or sensitive or something like that um you 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 tend to go and you may be like hey like i have read like like and and this is crazy like there's been times where there's been something whether it's with like the nhl cba or something with a salary cap or something like that where i've written a paragraph and i've called a source about it and said hey I want to make sure that I have this right. And I've, I've read that paragraph to them. I haven't sent them the whole story, but there, there is, there is definitely a balance of fact checking and everything like that, because that's a lot of what reporting is, is uncovering the truth of things. So if you can't fact check and, and, and follow it up, then you're not really reporting in general. Then you're, so I, I, the, the issue where Schefter comes in is the full sending of a sensitive, a sensitive story, especially with something like that, where um, that was like a CBA issue in between, like it was during the NFL lockout, I think. And you've got something where you're sending it to one side and I don't know, maybe sent to the NFL PA too. I don't know. But when you've when you're sending something like that, it looks like you're sending control to the ownership of to the ownership side of how it should be covered. And that's one of the biggest issues for me. And look, the other thing that's kind of, the other thing I think it kind of shines a, a dirty, the whole Schefter thing shines a dirty light on that I think a lot of people don't realize um, outside of the sports media world is a lot of that access transactional journalism that Adam Schefter's of the world, the uh, a lot of some of the guys that do it in the NBA, things like that, where that's how a lot of their relationship is. It's you don't get 60 scoops a week without having the teams being kind of buddy, buddy with you basically. Yeah. So like, yep. like, like access to actual journalism, I think it holds a place. I think this, I think this whole other thing also gives us, if you're a reader, I think it's also, it's gives you a reason to kind of label in your mind and be cognizant of how do we look at what you're getting from Adam Schefter. And I, and I don't think, is is Adam Schefter a journalist? Is he an ESPN personality? That's something for the populist 
to decide, but it's, I think when you're talking about journalism and, and that whole thing that kind of came out, it's maybe someone would agree with me, but I think in general, the whole sending a story to someone for pre-approval and, and, and changing and everything like that, um, there's very few examples, I think, where that's acceptable. Like maybe if you're doing something where it's like a first person piece, like sometimes you see like a first person piece from a mm-hmm. player. And so as told by maybe something like that, but other gotcha. than that, it's very hard for me to see examples where it's okay to do that because anyone who is talking to a journalist in general has a story or an angle they want out there. Otherwise they wouldn't have picked up the phone in the first place. And so if you're giving control of that, you're not being the unbiased, um, you're not being unbiased. You're not, you're not allow you're allowing someone to potentially spin it. So that's kind of where my thoughts are on that. I'm not going to, I don't know how Schefter does his job on a daily basis, so I can't say anything else on it, but it is, right. it, it yeah. definitely was a kind of, I think a flashpoint for people to, th- to keep in mind as they look at the industry. And also um, clearly I was, I was surprised, frankly, how many people were arguing that it was okay on Twitter and everything like that. But that's story for another day, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, sure. that yeah. that's why I asked because that was one thing that confused me is like, I mean, for me, right. There's certain yeah. people, like you said, those transactional details where you take it with a grain of salt, right? Like I'm going to follow a guy like that for trade news on Twitter because it's, you're going to see the trade as soon as it happens. But like, I'm not looking to read, you know, an article yeah. from that person or whatever, but mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had seen both sides kind of argued on Twitter, online, whatever. And I was kind of confused that people were making the argument that that was okay. Cause like, that's not, you know, that unbiased. It's not objective look at it. yeah. yeah. It's just, I yeah. don't know. It's interesting, but yeah. it's definitely interesting. Sean, I want to transition. It is one of the greatest times of the year for sports fans. It's the month of October. Mm-hmm. We, we touched on in the beginning, hockey's yeah. underway. Your former beat writer for the Dallas Stars. I want to, you know, just take a minute here from when you graduated Bowling Green. You done. You did your time there. Take us, walk us up until you <laughs> took on that job with the Stars. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, another story that will scare people trying to go into this industry. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I, uh, outside of after, so right out of school, I got a six month kind of contract internship position, whatever you want to call it with a company called that was used to be called the sports network, not the, not the sports network, the sports network in the United States, it was called. And it was just, uh, it was based out of Philadelphia and it was basically a sports wire service that uh, we covered. That was also presented and awarded the awards for the wall award uh, for the F sorry, FCS one double a, whatever you want. Now we gave out the Walter Payton award, the Jerry Rice award, the Eddie Robinson oh, award. Cool. And so it was kind of a, like a pseudo PR pseudo gig where on the weekends I was going to basically the biggest FCS game of the week and covering it. And then Monday through Wednesday, I was basically running the PR for the Heisman of the essential run PR for basically the Heisman of one double A. So it was kind of a really good experience and everything like that, but that was just a kind of six month, contract internship gig and so that from there my first full-time job was down in Kerrville Texas which is about 45 minutes depending on how fast you drive north of San Antonio 
and Kerrville is known if it's anyone's rap, it's where Johnny Manziel played for Kerrville Tyvee. And 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 essentially obviously it's high school football. And it's uh, in Texas, yeah. It's, it, it, exactly. And so I was there for I was there for six months. Uh, I was at the paper called the Kerrville Daily Times. I was there for six months. It was a two-person sports staff. Uh, funnily enough, the other guy who was I was I was named the sports editor way too young because basically I got hired as the sports reporter, and then like the week I got there, the sports editor took another job, and so I got promoted after like four days. To, uh, <laughs> and so like. I was the editor of a daily sports paper at like 22. It was like way wow. too, it was way too, uh, th- there were some mistakes made that like, there, there was some, like I look back at some of those papers and there's some things where I look back and I'm like, there needed to be somebody to uh, to talk to this 22 verse, 22 year old version <laughs> of me about how we handled coverage and everything like that. It's not that it was bad, but there's just things that with the, with, it was really lacking experience. And so, um, but I, I was there and, uh, essentially I kind of got a little bit of a over the course of two years, I got a pretty rough crash course into, Hey, this is the journalism industry is, is pretty rough right now because um, when I was there, they didn't lay me off, but they laid off the, the guy who was the sports reporter about four or five months into my, my job there. And so essentially I was now a sports editor. I mean, it was, it's, it's hilarious to say someone's a sports editor, they're the only sports person on staff. Like it's, 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 it's semantics. But so I was essentially yeah. running, uh, putting out a daily section by myself. I have had a little bit of help from the desk and editing and copy design and everything like that, but I was doing all that by myself. And I basically had made the decision to kind of move on and look for another opportunity. Cause I didn't want to do that and ended up moving to, uh, to a place called, uh, to, to Cedar Park, Texas, which is right outside Austin. Um, they have, there's a weekly, there was a weekly paper there. Uh, spoiler alert was, uh, there was, there was a weekly paper uh, called the Cedar Park Lander Statesman, where it was a weekly, uh, came out on Thursday, uh, came out on Wednesday, sorry. And in, in my role as the sports editor of that, I put, I basically designed and, and, and wrote and put together that weekly paper. And then I also did daily stuff for the, uh, for the Austin American Statesman, both owned by the same parent company. And I did that for 18 months. I had the, um, I covered a high school football state championship, which I think is in Texas, which is, was an extremely cool thing to do. And covered the oh, Cedar Park, high, Cedar Park high school football team that, uh, won the four, a division two state title, which is like in Texas, there's 10 school sizes or sorry, 12 school sizes each year. And so four, a division two at the time was the fourth biggest school size. So pretty big deal covered oh. that, um, was there for 18 months. And then essentially after 18 months, I got the call. I was, called into a meeting and they closed the weekly paper I worked at and I lost a job and just out of, out of nowhere had no, had no job. And essentially kind of, for me, that's the flashpoint for me in my career that kind of leads to everything else because I had multiple, I could have had multiple opportunities to go cover high school sports somewhere and everything like that. But I had always, one of the goals for me had always been to, I'd like to be, an NHL beat writer by the time I'm 30 that had always been kind of one of the goals I always wanted to achieve. And in Cedar park, the Dallas stars, AHL affiliate, the Texas stars are in Cedar park. And so I saw kind of an opportunity. I'd already been covering them with when I was working at the weekly paper and, and everything like that. And I kind of saw an opportunity there to be like, okay, if, 
I want to cover hockey and I want to stay in the hockey world, I should probably cover hockey. I probably shouldn't take this high school football job or this or whatever. And so, um, I essentially basically like, okay, we're going to try my wife and I, we decided like, okay, you can, we're going to try and you can, you're going to try, you, you can try and go the freelance route. And if it doesn't work after a month, we'll see how it goes after a month. And after a month, it was going okay. After two months, it was going. It just basically it stuck out and just continued to go. And things worked out so well that I was covering AHL hockey down in basically in Austin, Texas. I was still doing a bunch of high school football work to pay the bills. I was doing other work. I was I was probably writing. Good God, I was probably writing like twenty stories a week between between a dozen different publications, and all of it with really. Just to be frank, at the end of the day, all of it, most of it to pay the bills, a lot of, and then doing most of the hockey, a bunch of the hockey work is still unpaid. I launched my own site, Wrong Side of the Red Line, which I still own the domain for and will keep, always hold on and keep two for, and, and just keeping, and where I, where I basically covered the AHL team like I was covering an NHL team. So I had that example where if I ever did get that interview for an NHL, I would be able to say, if someone, because the question I always knew would come up is like, okay, cool. You like, you're a good writer. You like writing about hockey. Where's the proof for a team? And so I had started my own site literally just to do the day-to-day beat coverage so that if someone who was interviewing me said, okay, well, can you prove to me that you can cover a team? I would literally have that proof of life right there. Yeah, I would be able to go and say, here, check out what I've done with this. And so the work through all of that um, basically eventually led to an opportunity where um, it, it led to bigger, it led to bigger opportunities at points. Um, 2016 NHL playoffs, the Minneapolis star tribune hired me to do as a, as a freelancer for the, to cover the stars wild series as just the local guy in Dallas. I drove up the three hours to do that. I would start to do make more, way more trips up to Dallas just to be, make the three hour drive up 35 to, uh, to, to basically, be around an NHL rink as much as possible and, and meet as many people as possible. And then after, and then it was 2000, after the 2000 summer of 2016, um, the NHL, NHL.com uh, had an opening for their Dallas correspondence. So how NHL.com's format works, or at least did before the pandemic, I don't know how it's working right now, but before the pandemic, it was, they had, uh, they have, they have, full-time staff writers, but they also have a freelancer that covers each individual team in each city, basically on a, on a home game basis. And so they had an opportunity where they were going to have an opening with their NHL.com uh, writer in Dallas, which was now I didn't live in Dallas. I lived in Austin. I lived three hours away. Um, but they, they called me because they had seen some of my work. Someone had mentioned me and um, my wife and I, we made the decision that like, okay, well, and she already worked from home. She's worked from home for nine years. So this was made everything oh, wow. a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so we, we basically made the decision of like, okay, well let's go after it. So basically I moved my freelance gig. I basically moved all of my freelance work up to, da- up to Dallas. I was working for NHL.com. I repurposed my own site, wrong side of the red line as a, um, Dallas Stars site where I was doing additional stuff that didn't end up in the NHL.com stories. I was still school football on Friday nights because that's how you pay bills in Texas. And I was also doing a bunch of stuff for AP as well. Um, and essentially, I was still I was doing all of that for two. I was in Dallas for doing that for a year and a half to two years, whatever, if I got the timeline right. 
and um and that's when the athletic started coming up and the athletic was kind of coming together and 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 everything like that and they're looking to come to dallas and they when they were looking to come to dallas I, they reached out to me and they and they knew and they talked to some other people who had seen my work and other reasons and they I kind of interviewed me for the Dallas interviewed me for the Stars beat writer job and uh, that's Stars beat writer job and it's kind of fun one detail to bring up for anyone who's listening to this about like the value of taking the time to meet people in this industry because you never know where it goes um, the two thousand. 17 yeah 2017 nhl draft in chicago um I, I was at that draft in chicago because i have a sibling who lives who lived up there and so i was like okay well i can just fly up and i can crash on their couch and i don't have to worry about <laughs> yeah. anything else like, very very shoestring budget let's let's be very clear and uh, <laughs> the athletic was at that time starting a bit of their recruiting pitch to a bunch of writers and now i was nowhere on their radar at all but i knew I had heard at the bar at the hotel that the athletic, that the bunch of the guys from the athletic were meeting with some of the guys that were going after. And so I had asked one of the people who works at the athletic. Now I had asked like, Hey, could I come along with you? And I, at that meeting, the guy, um, I met a couple of people who are in head of the company and I introduced them myself to them. And I said, I know that you're, you have no idea who I am and you don't really care. But if, if you ever are interested in, if you guys ever do expand to Dallas, I would love to talk to you. And that's a conversation where it's a 10, 20 second conversation, but yeah. somehow plants the seed for eight, nine months later, when they actually do come to Dallas, I actually get a call. And so I, can, I think kind of for me, one of the things is Mike, one of the biggest things about my career that I've noticed and something that if anyone is like, Hey, how do you work in this field and how do you get it is, Hey, well, hey, I don't suggest anyone gets laid off, but if you, but, but learn how to adapt to things and, and, and B, um, and B, just the, the 10 seconds it takes to say hello to somebody and shake someone's hand and say hello. Like, you have no idea how far that can go. And that's one of like, like, um, like I was like, I was in, uh, they had that eerie, that eerie, P, the, the PBHH showcase or whatever in eerie. This, yep. this past spring and met up with a couple of you guys from a couple, couple of the guys from justition who had done who i said talked to them talk to you talk to you guys on on zoom yeah. before but but yeah you happen to be the same place and so you take the the 10 seconds to to talk for more than 10 seconds but but you right. you, you, take, you take the time to to make that connection and you take that time to make people feel like people and it's uh it's such a big part of the job and it's why you have success in the day-to-day -day of it and so essentially that's how I ended up as the stars beat writer. And I was stars beat writer through uh, basically through the, them going to the Stanley cup final in the bubble in 2020. And then when this other opportunity came up and it was kind of a, something I wanted to jump try. And that's where we are today in a, uh, in a, uh, a cliff notes, spark notes version, if you, if you will. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, really valuable info and lessons in there. I mean, networking just taking that the like you said those 20 seconds or whatever it is and how far that can go that's awesome is there anything you miss about being like on the beat per se like the inner maybe was it more interaction with the team i'm sure getting to know the guys on the stars and stuff like that a little bit 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do miss part of that. It's also it's a very weird time to think about it, right? Too because the how what happened with with COVID, right? Right. Last, yeah. Like 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 things are so something I might say I miss right now. I know there's people who are beat writers still that miss that because we're still not back to to normalcy across the board. Um, the the thing that I that that's been that that I miss kind of. One, it's kind of one. One thing that I miss that's that I really enjoyed the the structure that came with covering one team. It's something that um, th- th- there's. It's a really. It's a nice way to build. And there's there's definitely creativity for an NHL beat writer. But it's an you're you're able to build your schedule. The NHL schedule comes out, and you know, okay, these eighty two nights, I know what my plan is for that night. I know I'm I'm going where I'm going to be. I know. And so that kind of that schedule and that regiment was something that I had grown used to. And there's parts of it I miss sometimes. Um, then again, I saw so my, my current job. Now I have way more freedom to do some other things and, and, and really dive into some other projects, which I, which I, which is, it's just a perfect, which is a more than fair trade off. And I'm happy with, but that kind of the day to day and kind of that ability to be, there's a nice feeling about being an expert. There, there, there's, there's a nice feeling for yourself as you're working where you know you're an expert on a team. And anyone who covers the league on a national scale, you may want, they may want to say they're an expert on every team, but I can, I, mean, I can tell you this. No one is an expert on all 32 teams. Nobody, is, nobody has the institutional knowledge to tell you, hey, I, I can, no, no one is going to be like, okay, who is the, uh, who's playing left wing? who's playing the bumper spot in the second power play unit if this guy gets hurt. Like that's the type of stuff that you only <laughs> like that's the type of stuff that only comes up if you are covering a team on a daily basis. And so you talk about experts and everything like that. Like it, it's an, the only way you can be a truly a team expert on any one team is if you're covering one team. And so I, I do miss parts of that at times, but also at, I also really enjoy where I am now. Um, I know if any Stars fan hears this, I loved also dealing with the Stars fans too. I thought it was a really fun market and a really great people to, to communicate with. Just because it was, it's a it's a hockey base that's 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 growing and, and picking up the sport more and more. And at the same time, you already had those diehards because the team had been there for twenty five years. It was a fun market and base to interact with too. Yeah, that's really cool fan base i mean as a sabers fan i'm not going to talk about 99 um we're just going to let that go but one thing i you you touched on it a little bit what you're doing now i know tudes and i want to get to that ask you a couple things but right before we get to that i've always been fascinated when i see those clips in like press conferences where you know like the the writers are in there the journalists covering and someone asks a really really dumb or bad question and so, like the guy just goes off. Did you ever get to witness something like that live? Where the where the guy goes off on a dumb question? Yeah, where it's just like even the other like you were sitting there and you just kind of like put your hand like you, you can't believe he, he asked that or something. Anything like that that stands out in your memory? Um, I mean, yeah, it's not as much as I haven't been. I haven't really had as many of the uh NHL coaches and NHL players tend to give more microaggressions than NBA. Right. Like like NBA coaches tend <laughs> yeah. to actually yell at people. NHL players and <laughs> NHL coaches tend to be way more microaggressions where like you can see it like with with an eye with like how someone's eyes like flit away or they look. So I definitely saw that like for example like I can tell you like if you were to put on a Dallas Stars 
press conference, and I won't tell anyone else how the. But if you were to put on a Dallas Stars press conference, I can tell you not as much now because I haven't covered the, I haven't been on it. But during right, the time right. I covered the team, if someone asked a question, I and there's quite there's quite a few players I could tell you what they actually thought of that question based off where they're how how, the, how their eyes looked at it. So it's so that <laughs> I will I will tell this story, and I have this. Uh, I've always it's so. Um, Ken Hitchcock and I had a, I don't want to use the word icy, but Ken Hitchcock and I, Ken Hitchcock and I did not always see eye to eye on things. We, it was, it was amicable and I, I covered the team and everything like that. But there was times where he, uh, <laughs> there, there was times where he felt that we were, we were pressed. I, he was pressed a little bit too much or, or whatever and everything. I, I know that just based off a of vibe that he didn't really get as much from as much of the Dallas media market. And so I have, I still have this clip. I have to, I have to find it. They, um, he was asked something about by another, another media member of like, Oh, Hey, had pitch. Have you seen this thing in the, uh, have you seen this story in the athletic or whatever? And it wasn't anything I write and hitch. And I'm standing like three feet away from hitch at this point. And Ken Hitchcock basically responds. He says, he says, says, I wouldn't pay a penny to read anything Sean Shapiro writes. And, and, and so, um, it wasn't, it wasn't based off a question, but I, I do have that, that, uh, I've always I've always told someone if we ever if I ever did like a actual hockey podcast again or something like that I already have like the opening like drop line or something like that like uh, that's, that's yeah that's perfect incredible that's gold for an intro for sure oh my god um so yeah <laughs> segue off of that um but I want to make sure before we let you go yep. we got a few minutes left here of course, um, yeah. obviously. You know, the, the the business side of hockey, what yeah. is kind of your bread and butter now with the athletic. I mean, obviously, yeah. the story you did about us with the Jordan 1 skate when, when we first pulled out the first one of that and showed showed that to the world, as it were. Where did that kind of idea come from? Was that something you thought of? Did the athletic come to you with it? How did that all transpire? So the the, the concept of the business of hockey beat, um, they already had a business of baseball and a business of football beat, and it had done – really well. Evan Drellich is the business of baseball writer and he'd broken some of the biggest stories. Like um, I think he covered, he broke some of the Astros stories too, when there was all that stuff going, but uh, essentially they were looking at, this is a space where we've had success in football and uh, football and baseball. And we, why don't we do this in hockey as well? And so I had, um, I had, I had been talking to them about something else and everything like that. And, the, and it was brought up to me that they have this opening and would you be interested in applying for the job? And part for me, um, the business of hockey, the only way the job would have interested me, and this is what I sold them on. And this is how I feel like I've delivered on the job is I, I don't have an MBA. I'm not a big numbers guy. Obviously there's going to be your talk about money and financials, and that's definitely going to be part of it. But to me, one of the biggest things that we're, one of the biggest things in hockey that we don't cover is essentially what happens off the ice. And it kind of all falls under that business envelope where like, I always, the story that I've, I, I always, and this is a story I plan to write during this season. Like we've always, when, because I was in the time, um, Luka Doncic is, is, is playing in his first season is a shoe free agent. And we're, we're in every single game. It's, Oh, what shoes is he wearing? What shoes is he wearing? And we cover that. We cover what shoe the first round pick wears in the NBA. We never, 
we just assume that, oh, well, Sidney Crosby uses CCM and it's just like, okay, that happened. We don't ever cover anything like that. We don't ever cover the the sport in general. Like I did something uh, last month about the, the fact that uh, just on the, the, the mask artists, the people who paint the artists, like we always see it. Like people are like, oh, hey, here's the Twitter picture of the mask. No one's ever, no one ever goes and writes the, the story on, Hey, here's the people that actually do this and everything like that. And, yeah. and that's, and those are the stories that kind of really popped to me. And, and that's what I felt I had an opportunity with this job. And even like with you guys, with, with the Jordan one skate, it was, the, it was the type of thing where like, this is cool. This is, this is something that's cool. This is something that relates to the sport and it is kind of exists in this off ice ether that for because of hockey culture forever we've never touched but yeah. like hockey players are more interesting than we give them credit and that like it's there are guys who don't have personality and and aren't don't want to show it oftentimes because of the team first thing but there's yeah. there's so much of that that we don't show and i also felt there was an opportunity to dive into some of that stuff with this and then also just give myself kind of an opportunity to better learn about this other side of the sport too. Um, it's, it's, so it's kind of, that's how it all came together. And as I told them, when I pitched it to them, I'm like, look, I, if you're looking for someone who is going to write weekly, this team did this with the salary cap, or this is how much this guy's make like, uh, or, or this is how much this thing is worth or whatever. I'm like that stuff will definitely be part of the job, but I'm going to look at, I'm going to this for me, this is going to be way more of, how do we kind of cover this space that no one has really covered in the sport and, and, and dive into some kind of cool things where we can explain some things and we can give some, introduce some things to an audience where like, I, I like to think when someone's reading my stories, even if they aren't a, uh, like you could be a Sabres fan, a Flyers fan, or whatever, I like to think that it's something where it's like, Oh, well, Hey, I didn't know that. Or I knew that, but didn't know how that existed. Like I like to think that's where my role as a niche kind of has fallen into the hockey media world. And no one has, and it's, it's been kind of fun to dive into. Like, I mean, the whole thing with like something that's just like interesting and maybe I know everyone gets mad and angry about Jersey ads and, and everything <laughs> like that, but, but, it, but, but at, at the end of the day right now, the tr in the traditional hockey media landscape, hockey media isn't really covering that. Um, front office sports, sports business journal, people that cover sports business are covering it, but people who cover hockey aren't. And so I kind of feel like I fill that, that spot where I'm covering the business side of the sport for the actual hockey fans where like, yes, I quote unquote compete with people from sports business and front office sports or whatever, but their audience is going to be way more of the executive subscriber that's paying a ridiculous amount of money for sports business journal, as opposed to my audiences, I'm trying to make this stuff accessible to a wider hockey audiences. If, if any of that makes sense. So no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, totally. You're bridging that gap essentially from just like your regular old hockey fans and people that have that interest in the higher up stuff there, as mm -hmm. far as the front office business end, but tutor, I know you might have another thing or two to ask Sean before we uh, wrap it up here. Jump on in, my friend. Yeah, so I guess two things. Two things yeah. there. Um, one of them that's always fascinated me about beat writers is a lot of beat writers. Right, you're not a writer for your hometown team that you grew up being a fan of. 
do you find yourself like becoming a fan of the team that you cover you think when you're a beat writers because you're in it all the time or is it more of like a this is my job i'm just watching the games and giving analysis um i mean it's the whole thing like i would have never called myself a stars fan now i will also admit my job is more enjoyable your job is more enjoyable when the team is winning because you go into right. a lock. If, you, if you're going into a locker room after a game where a team is winning, if say a team is winning 45 is, is winning 45 games a year, it's more enjoyable going to work because people are. And so the, at the end of the day, you, you do, you don't root for the team, but you also know your job will be easier if the team is better at the end. Really as a beat writer, the thing you want the least is an average team. Like covering a bad team is actually really fun. It's, it's, it's going to be. It's, it's, it's covering a team that's bad has so many fascinating storylines, so many different things to get tapped. Like I mean, like right now you look in like, like, like Arizona, like like Arizona. I think maybe the worst team in the league right now. It, it, like you look at Arizona right now and they're and they're how they're trying to, and and, and the angles of like okay. What are they actually trying to do? Are they trying to? Are they trying to lose for Shane Wright? Are they trying to? Or and, and all of there's as much as that may not be fun environment to be around. It, covering a bad team actually comes with some really fascinating stories. Where you don't want to be is when you get stuck with the team like that's right in the middle, where they're just they win, they lose, they win, they lose, and they're never really go one way or the other. That's actually the, that's actually the worst. That's the worst kind. So you kind of, as a beat writer, you are always kind of rooting for the uh, you're rooting for the team to either be good or bad, just not in between because it makes life, <laughs> it makes, it makes life better for you. Uh, and, and the other thing that just kind of comes across too, that I've noticed is you don't as much um, like if the Dallas stars won or lost the game. I didn't, I didn't care. I did my job and I wrote, um, but there was, you, you start to become fans of people as, as you spend, as you spend time. And so, um, it's like, uh, like I, I'll watch the, like I watched the, uh, the Vancouver game the other night. Um, and I don't care if the Canucks win or lose, but there's three guys on, on that Vancouver team that I covered, when they were all the way down in the AHL with, with Texas um, and Alex Shazon, uh, Jason Dickinson and Justin Dowling, three guys who I've seen like, and so I don't care if think I didn't care if Vancouver won or lost the game, but I'm still watching from a perspective of those are people who you've developed a human relationship with that. You can't help but be happy if they have success at the yeah. same time, there's a guys on the other side, on the other team you're watching. We're like, Oh, Hey, I know goes on that guys on that team. So it kind of creates more of, of that in the long run where you you're still, I'm still a hockey fan. I just, I don't have a, a quote unquote favorite team. Like I just, I'll, I typically will flip around what's the best game of the night. And then I'll see what games are close in the third period um, now, but it does, it does kind of create this kind of creates a weird fandom. That's hard to explain. It's hard to really, it's hard for someone to really con- to grasp if you're a hardcore sports if you're a hardcore sports fan for something else like i like for example like i'm a hardcore like i am a huge tottenham hotspur fan i watch every i watch i watch every i watch i watch every i'm also, I'm also a big mets fan so i'm eternally tortured um, the, um, <laughs> um and so but I, I watch every tottenham game i watch the mets until jacob Degrom gets hurt and like i i have that personal i have that i understand that personal fandom where like i don't 
the, the kind of grasping the concept of not caring about how that team did it is foreign to me in those sports. But within hockey, it's become still a huge hockey fan. Obviously, I love the sport. I watch it more than anything else. But it becomes you root more and more for people because you're more in these people's orbits. If that just to kind of to kind of uh, to bring it all back there. Yeah, for sure. Tudor, uh, Tudor finds himself a Chelsea fan these days. I am more of a Liverpool guy. Uh, we'll admit I jumped on the bandwagon in like 05, but the, you know, a lot of times passed. So, so yeah. we're, we're all good there. Shout out to Steven Gerrard. 16 a years beauty. is a bit, 16 years is not really a bandwagon. So, eh, well, I say it because the first um, game I watched was their comeback in the Champions League against AC Milan. Okay. And so I was just like, okay, that was incredible. Yeah. I like this team. So I just went with it. So at the time, it was. Yeah. Um, but- we all have a fandom or or origination at some point. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, look, Sean, uh, we won't take up any more of your time. This flew by. This was so much fun. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, I feel like there's so much we didn't get to. We'll have to try and get you on again, maybe more towards the playoffs or something when you can make some time for us again. This conversation was amazing. I think our listeners and, you know, you shared the episode when we put it out, uh, coming up here that, that would be awesome i think a lot of people are going to pull a lot of awesome stuff from this can't thank you enough for joining yeah it was fun guys be happy to do that yeah like i said we'll set it up we'll definitely be in touch if you're ever in buffalo reach out to us we'd love to get together with you shoot the shit have a beer whatever the case may be talk some hockey go from there um be fun. I, be fun. yeah and, and just once again thank you for all the support and coverage you've given us a justice and what we do with skate skins and everything like that really appreciate it yeah, I saw you guys were uh, in the the Vegas Gold Knight, right? Yeah, like, that was really uh, cool. That's 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 is that, is that the NH, is that the official NHL debut for? Uh, I th- I that would <laughs> so right now we're gonna count it as such. Yes. Okay. Hopefully more. Hopefully much more to come on that sooner yeah. than later for yeah. sure. Thanks again, Sean. Really appreciate it. Um, everybody, as always, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share some comments. Sean, thank you so much. Have a good night, man. We'll be in touch. Thanks, yeah, thanks Sean. a lot, guys.